Welcome to the Wiretap, episode ten. It is April four. Uh, <laughs> it's April seventeenth, two thousand seventeen. What's up, Chad? What's up? It's tomorrow's tax day. Oh my god! Is, 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 is it tomorrow? Ta- is tomorrow tax day really? Uh-huh. Uh We got ours done on the ninth. So, okay, good. So yeah, uh, we just got done with the uh, tax march. Uh, yeah, I didn't. It didn't go as well as the uh, women's march, but. It's still people went well, out. Well, I mean, it. I, I think people are, are are pissed that they don't want to pay for a wall. And the thing is, like, we all have to pay taxes. Our president doesn't want to divulge his taxes because, for sure, there's improprieties there. Yeah, uh, it's it's just uh, a mess. How's it going, I think man? The more, I think the more marches that are going to happen, the more it's going to dwindle down. You got the science march. You yeah. got the climate change march coming up. I think. I think people will come out during the uh, midterms, but I think people are getting a little bit of fatigue yeah, I think right now with that's everything that's part going of it on. Is, yeah, yeah, you know, you're going to lose momentum. You can't keep up this since the inauguration. This constant struggle for 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 marches. It's easy to get burned out, and there's new news all the time. And of course, you gotta, yeah, you got to take lessons from Sting and just be tantric about it. Yeah. That's exactly what I was he's thinking. He's all into the tantric sex, so so you yeah. gotta be, you know, eighteen hours of just pacing yourself for that session. Apply that to politics and protesting. We'll get there. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, you, you have that. that <laughs> it's in, like my. That it's insight. like the van. It's like the van analogy from last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, uh, you have the best analogies, Chad. Well, you know, last last time I was hopped up on like eight shots of tequila, so I don't remember what I said, and uh, we'll we'll probably so, so get that back. Means now, that, again, that this episode's going to be worse because well, you're we'll sober. See. Yeah, well. yeah. Uh, but if you're listening, hit up as always. Hit up Phil at Bob Knows Bass B A S S on the Twitter. Uh, tweet on me. Twitter. Yeah, uh, tell them that you're listening, where you're from, and um, as we get more listeners, maybe Phil will give you a call and thank you for listening, give you a personal phone call. Oh, okay, you're committing me to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a weirdo from Carolina. <laughs> North that South Carolina. That might be our biggest base. There's exactly, we made it to Carolina. I don't know They're which one. Unique. They're all unique. Thank you. Uh, thank you for yeah. listening, listener. So we want to so, talk uh, about uh, where, where we're Korea? at over the course of this weekend. Yeah, man, we're we're sending. Uh, apparently, we're we're sending some warships to making some threatening noises up in the Korean Peninsula. I really thought we were gonna go to war this weekend. I really thought we were gonna end up in it was, war. It was. I mean. I, I was just in line at Portos today. I'm thinking, like, what would a nuclear blast look like as it just covers the horizon? And, and, and would I be satisfied with, with the way I've lived my life so far? You're, I mean, I'm having thoughts like that. You know, okay. like, like Cold War thoughts. You know, like, what, well, how, how would I survive the blast, man? It's Well, there's a website you can go to where you can type in what, like, different size nukes would look like in your zip code or, or near you or really. Um, I, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is, that is a little scary, but, well, uh, um, you have to, you have to also just look at the, the bigger picture, like why we're in North Korea. I guarantee you if everything was just peachy keen with Trump 
and the Russian investigations were yielding nothing and he was completely fine, we would not be up there right now. Why now? Why, why, right. why, why, why at this point? Well, he was interviewing, I was going to tell you about this. He was interviewing on Fox or being interviewed being on interviewed. Fox. And he said to the, um, the person that was interviewing him, he said, uh, the last two presidents or three presidents have been dealing with this gentleman uh, forever. And it's not changed anything. Uh, I have the exact quotes. But he called Kim Jong-un, this gentleman, uh, referencing Bill Clinton and George Bush and Barack Obama. I don't think he knows that Kim Jong-il is not running the country anymore. Oh. And Kim Jong-un is. So you're saying uh, that we know we know more in the my little dissertation of covering the, the three leaders of North Korea that have lived. He, he he has no idea what he's talking about. None, none. He he sat there the other day and said, um, "Yeah, we're dealing with this gentleman." I think if he knew he was dealing with a twenty-nine-year-old kid, well, no, I think just remember he, he's our age. He's he's in his late thirties. Maybe we're. Oh, he is. Maybe I'm. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm your because you're thinking back to two thousand eleven, and so you you still think that. He's, yeah, maybe he's, he's a little. He's a, He's the same age. I think he was 32. So what? He's 37 yeah. right now. And he's but, very portly, so he doesn't age. Like there's no age on his face because it's just he well, stays it's, portly. It's, well, it's, the rest of his country's starving. It's a strange topic, and it's actually a topic that you and I know a lot about. We talk about North Korea. We're all not the time. historians by any means, but pop culture wise, or I don't even know what you would call it. We're just it's it's kind it's, of fascinated it's a, fa it's a fascinating story because countries like North Korea don't exist in modern times anymore. It, a completely isolated uh cult of personality society uh, it, it is living across the Pacific. And yeah. it's it's nutty how it got there. It's nutty that it's still here, because at this point we can safely say it's a failed nation. And I want to I want to just catch a listener up if they don't know much about North Korea. You can look at the Cor Korean Peninsula as a as a country that's been uh, a peoples that have been occupied by either China or Japan for throughout their entire history. In 1910 the uh, Korean nation was under Japanese occupation. And after the Second World War, it was partitioned out uh, a north and a south side. Now, uh, Stalin and Mao Zedong supported the Kim regime. Kim Il-sung was an agent uh, trained in Russia who was leading the attack on uh, North Korea to South Korea, which was, of course, protected by the West, the uh, other nations that had won the Second World War, uh, the U.S. And, and the U.S. has always been an ally, and, of course, the uh, United Kingdom. Well, when uh, unprovoked, when, when the North attacked the South, America got involved. Now, this is actually an early uh, rendition of a presidential power expanding beyond its usual means. So Truman called the uh, sending troops to the Korea, to Korea a police action. It was not approved by Congress, and it wasn't an official declaration of war. So it was a police action. It's one of the early examples you can point to where a president can attack a foreign nation and not 
call it uh, not get approval. And that's pretty much what what's been happening in Syria, in Afghanistan, and now any moment now in Korea. So the Korean War lasts from 1950 to 1953. It ended with status quo, South Korea, of course, being our allies, and North Korea being uh, supported by communist China and uh communist russia now uh, you can look at if you look at the timeline of the three leaders you know kim il-sung uh was the is the eternal leader right he he's he's a god to the people in north korea he he they they worship him like you would worship a deity well and, and that's through propaganda and that's through uh national media mm -hmm. they are completely closed off to the world they have no internet access they um and for examples, there is a great <clears throat> National Geographic documentary uh, about a bunch of um, eye doctors that go to North Korea. Have you seen this? Yeah. Where they go to North Korea and they do a bunch of cataract surgery because I think cataract it, it, cataracts are huge in North Korea because they're not getting the proper uh, medical uh, you know care. And so all these doctors went in and took care of them. And the minute they were able to see the people of North Korea, they're in this room, and the doctor takes the padding off their eyes, and the minute they see it, they look at a picture of Kim Jong-il, not his son, but his father, Kim Jong-il, and Kim Jong-il's father, and immediately they start crying, and they're bowing to him, and they're saying things like, Kim, Kim you know, Jong-il gave us sight. Yeah, was, he gave us sight. It was, wasn't medicine. It was actually, you know, and we will, the, our, we will our pick great up leader. A, yeah, yeah. And we're going to pick up a bayonet and we're going to kill Americans. And America is the, the evil ruler. And I mean, these people have been completely They're, brainwashed. They, and the ones we, we don't yeah. appreciate that we have access to the Internet. So we can, if someone says something ridiculous, we can like disprove it. They don't that from birth now. Now for an entire generation, we're looking at sixty-seven years since the 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 outbreak of the Korean War. They've been completely insulated, and the state-run media tells them everything that they need to know. So, for instance, uh, Kim Jong Il, son of the the country's founder, he's performed amazing feats according to state-controlled media. He scored a perfect three hundred the first time he went bowling and sank well, eleven and see, holes in one you, the first time yeah, he played golf. Before you go any further on those. I think the, the thing is, is see how this sounds compared to our president, President Trump, yeah. and all the amazing feats that President Trump is able to do regarding money He's and regarding a business deals. genius. He, yeah. he and, wrote The Art of the Deal by himself. Yeah. He's a great author. He's one of the smartest men who have ever, right. men who have ever lived. He would love so, for you to believe that. So it's almost the exact same thing when it comes to Kim Jong, uh, the Kim Jong Un, Kim Jong Il, uh, uh, you know, the father. They are all very much all about the propaganda. When the World Cup was playing in South Africa, uh, the North Korean team actually made it to the World Cup. And when they made it to the World Cup, they were isolated in their hotel rooms, and they had North Korean newspaper covering the windows. Mm -hmm. uh, so they couldn't get out. So they were transferred by bus to the stadium and back. And I think one of the games they got really, really close to winning. They didn't win any of their games. 
they might have tied. And what the propaganda that they were spilling out, North Korea was telling their people, uh, was here's the deal: Kim Jong Il was, you know, secretly giving strategy to the coach in order to get that tie, mm. and. It was all him, and it was an invisible headset. And uh, you know, they—the propaganda there is strong. And I would say half the people probably believe it, and half the people are in fear of stepping out against it. Well, because you have these internment camps. As 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 I, as I understand it, the people of of North Korea know they're being lied to, but they don't know about exactly what. They know that you know Kim Jong Un doesn't like jump over the moon at night and that he doesn't have genitalia or, or, or a butthole. Like they, they, they know yeah. that that's not true, but they don't know exactly what's, what's going on. So this is established in, in the, in the doctrine, which is juche. You, you've heard this word, right? Uh-huh. And, and it means self-reliance and North Korea is cut off economically and diplomatically from the rest of the world. And it's part of their policy. Even in times of great need, even when they're in famine, they won't reach out for help from especially the West. Because No, I mean, look in the 90s. Uh, Kim Jong-il starved his people yeah. for, 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 uh, in the mid-90s. And, um, you know, they get help from China, but that's it. But Kim Jong-un has the best of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he has the best of it. There's another great documentary. Have you seen the Dennis Rodman one? Dennis Rodman oh, goes okay. to North so Korea. I, I knew that Dennis Rodman went to North Korea, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't know there was a documentary about it. Yeah, he's, it he's was the, on. He's a U.S. diplomat for. Uh, yeah, you got to watch it. It's crazy. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, what? Um, and this propaganda has been going on forever because Kim Jong Il was really into the movies mm-hmm. and movie industry, and he played that up to his people. And one of the guys, and you might be able to talk about this more because I don't remember much of the movie, but there was um, a guy who defected during the Korean War, and didn't he become a celebrity and a movie star there? So that's called crossing. Ant- that's called crossing the line. There was a U.S. soldier that defected to North Korea. They immediately took him in and made him star in a lot of Korean propaganda films. He's oh they they did a documentary on him. It, it, it's on, I think it's still on Netflix called Crossing the Line. And he and even in times of famine, that guy has always been well fed. You look at him, he's a big old fat piece of shit now. He's always had like I think you remember that that one part of the documentary where he got a woman pregnant and then that woman just disappeared. Yeah. And then and then they, they gave they, her they gave, gave him a new one. Gave him a new one. So they treat the guy like a king because he'll just star in propaganda films, starring like the being the the U.S. general. They'll they'll they're so cut off from society in that way. I'm going to read you some facts here. Between 150,000 and 200,000 North Koreans live in prison camps surrounded by electrified fencing. This is on USA Today. I'm getting all this information, according to South Korea government es- estimates and Human Rights Watch. The worst camps are those who commit political crimes, and offenders can have their entire extended family imprisoned with them. As many as 40% of camp prisoners die from malnutrition while doing mining, logging, and agricultural work with rudimentary tools in harsh conditions, according to a th- 2011 Amnesty International. And you get into these internment camps by just not bowing to a picture of Kim Il-sung. 
by Or you could do it by question. stealing a loaf of bread and they do family cleansing. So or, your second or, cousin goes into jail or into the internment camp along with you or, and your parents and your kids. Or trying to it's defect horrible. or escape. Like if, if my brother went and tried to cross the DMZ, yeah. well, not only is he punished, I'm punished too. Right. And three, right. I think it's three generations of punishment is, is what they dole out. So that's a huge number of people. And the human rights abuses are just insane. I mean, talk about being autonomous. North Koreans must abide by one of 28 approved haircuts. Unmarried women must have short hair, but married a married woman can have more options. The hair of young men should be at least two inches long. Older men can go as long as two and three quarter inches, according to the a Taiwanese website Want China Times. And the most popular haircut, Kim Jong Un's. Yeah, everybody wants That's, to have the, that that wild hair. Yeah, he. Um, and here's the, here's the crazy thing. I read a book about a guy who defected. From the, he escaped the internment camp and defected to South Korea, and he speaks at different colleges here now. Mm-hmm. And he said he was born into the camp, and yeah. so he was he was raised. Um, but you know, family that lives in these camps, they're so hungry that they turn on each other. And um, he ended up blaming his mom for stealing food when he had stolen food and um, they ended up killing her and they ended up torturing him. And uh, it's, it's, it's just insanity. The whole country is, is, is crazy. Um, Now uh, the people that I've spoken to that are, you know, not that concerned with North Korea, they, they don't realize that this guy has nothing to lose by you know going after us i mean he's gonna he'll defect to china and they'll uh allow him to you know but he doesn't care about anybody but himself he kills his brother uh in an airport not, not him personally You're talking but, about kim jong-un you know, yeah, yeah kim jong-un yeah um you know and so you know i i even think that i wouldn't put it past him to nuke his own people and blame the united states that's how brainwashed the people are and that's how powerful he thinks he is the uh north korean oligarchs are guilty of the worst crimes against humanity and human rights abuses they're they're literally starving their own people so they can have enough and taking in any aid and and resources that are provided to north korea is first picked up by the oligarchs so their family has enough and then they just meek it out to to the right. rest of society, crystal meth um, production. Do you don't hear about this? That crystal. Yeah. There, there there's a high level of crystal meth production because it it actually it's, it's it uh, <clears throat> delays the effects of famine and hunger. You don't get as hungry. Yeah. So it's, well, they're they're exporting yeah. like high quality meth. It's like Heisenberg from from uh, Breaking Bad. That's their GDP. Like their their foreign policy is completely nuclear threats and crystal meth. It's a um, it's a failed state. If they yeah if now here's the thing they have a million man army, but if we go to ground war with them, it, it'll be nasty. But they won't be able to feed their troops, so their troops uh, will defect. Hungry troops don't stay loyal. 
so I don't think that that's something to worry about. I don't think they have the capability. Again, this is just for for us. It's just like Syria. It's just like Afghanistan for Trump. This is distracting from uh, this is distracting from the the real issue, which is all of the ties to Russia, and eventually all of this stuff is going to come out. And, but and so this is what's dangerous is that um, in a way North Korea is like a house of cards. It's low hanging fruit. An aggressive action against North Korea would topple the regime quickly. The thing is, they have possible nuclear capability that won't reach our shores, but could reach Seoul. Um, If you look at a map of North Korea, Pyongyang uh, in North Korea is right around the center center, uh, west, but Seoul is right across the border. Yeah, and I don't know if they would nuke— I don't know if they would nuke South Korea, but I know that they, if they could reach Japan, they would. They have a ton of artillery pointed right at Seoul, and they, all they need to do is just remember that, shoot that they're artillery. insane and they don't want to be caught. So, they, right. they, they, but they obviously don't give a shit about their own people. So why would they think twice about killing millions of their enemy? Because you know why? Because I think Kim Jong Un feels it's good to be king, and China is the only one that's keeping them afloat. And if they go after South Korea, China will cut ties with them, and uh, they won't have the food, the 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 imports that they're supposed to to get, uh, and and it will be uh, that's that's their one lifeline. Uh, you know, you know it, the North Korean state has been kept together by tenuous threads, and what really the only thing reason why it didn't topple before was no one wants to be at odds with china until we have president yeah exactly well until president trump and his belligerents he always he's always uh uh, provoking china so he doesn't give a crap about international ties who's going to take care of north korea if it falls south korea is not going to and China doesn't want to touch that. I, th- so, I think because- that, that, that you would uh, get a lot of South Koreans interested in reunification. Um, yeah, but you know how much money that costs to feed that country and to get electricity into that country and infrastructure? I mean, that is – that's like rebuilding, uh, rebuilding a country in itself. They're running. But if you look at a global map and you look at South Korea compared to North Korea at night, you'll see South Korea is completely lit up the grid, and North yeah. Korea is not. And, you know, you also it have to think cost, about... Yeah, because it, it's been 70 years of infrastructure building to, to get South Korea to be a modern nation. And North Korea didn't get on board with that at all. But so, the, I think the human rights crisis that's going on in North Korea would get enough people involved in helping out, I think. I, I'd have to disagree with you on that. I think that, I, that, that we would get support, that that North Korea would fit, would fit the bill to get their family members back. Okay, so okay, so that that's fine. It, you know, South Korea would, could get their family members back. They're not going to pay to prop up that country. No, 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 no. They're they're not going to say, oh well, we're, we we want to have North Korea. No, they're going to want our unified Korea. That's that's right. That's but you still got to pay for North Korea. You well, still no, have you, to. You, so you, you, you bring these people that, south. 
and and you hold the uh, the oligarchs in North Korea accountable due to their war crimes. Now, so the, the the weird situation is they don't want to get caught, and they ha- are apparently a nuclear power. And yeah. so I, and they, so you they, have two irrational are... actors on both on both sides. You have Trump, who's an irrational actor, and, and North Korea, which is has a pol- foreign policy in irrational. Like but so, see, you got see, crazies on both irrational, sides. Is Trump irrational though, or is, is he? he? he is I don't he? know if he, you can he, answer that. I don't know if he's. Not, it's not rational. I don't think that we're talking about when it comes to Trump. I think what we're talking about with Trump is he is he is stupid enough, not irrational, but stupid enough to think that I'm going to bring my ships over to North Korea. I'm going to rattle my sabers. I'm going to let them try to make the first move and distract everybody from what's going on. North Korea is not that stupid. I don't think they're that dumb to fire on South Korea, and I don't think they're they're dumb to fire on us. Uh, I think this is a plan that failed for Trump. I think he's hoping that Kim Jong-un is stupid enough and irrational to go after him. If he was irrational, he would have already fired on North Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have already fired on him after that failed missile launch this weekend. I think he would have fired on him. But how, uh, how, think, how many failed missile launches until a successful one? That's why I'm saying something should happen, but I don't have any answers, and I don't, I don't think the answer is is aggressive nature because they're going to get better, and they're not just going no, to keep right. failing. You had, that's over why you got to put pressure on China. The, you you know, when Kim Jong Un starts losing the things that he loves. All of the nice liquor that he has, all of the nice cigars that he has, all the fine dining, all the five-star food that he gets, that he gets. Yeah. When he starts to lose all of that stuff, that's when uh, it'll hit the fan. And that's when – but, see, China's got to put pressure on them. And and I don't think China wants to because uh, they don't want to get involved. Uh, China, uh, China doesn't give – Two shits about human rights violations. They're like human rights. That's a novel. No, it has idea. nothing to do. Yeah, it has nothing to do with human rights. It has yeah. to do with the fact that they don't want to touch North Korea's problems and they don't want to get involved in the the mess that is Trump and the mess that is North Korea and they don't want to get. Uh, they don't want to be a part of it. But what Trump's idea is, we got to stop North Korea. So what happens if North Korea turns around and says, you know what, we're going to stop. Where, where, what's Trump's plan then? Is he gonna is he gonna say, oh, we accomplished what we we're gonna accomplish? No, his goal is to go to war with these guys, cover up the Russia thing. CNN all yeah, weekend long they bought right was covering in. this. They bought right yeah, in. Yeah, so Fox News. The only two people that are are uh, Rachel, Rachel Maddow, Maddow. Yeah. and is it Lawrence O'Donnell? Those are the two. Same, same channel, basically. Yeah. Same channel, and, basically the same uh, approach. Yeah, and so those are the only two, and I, I mean the rest of Twitter and the rest of uh, you know, you know people that are aware. But the news organizations are just hoping. I mean, how many, how how much time do they spend on the missiles going off in uh, off the off the uh, the ship to uh, Syria? Syria. Uh, I mean, they they covered that over and over, and then uh, I'm sure everybody has seen the clip of Fox Morning News where. Uh, they were playing a Toby Keith song over the missile launch, and they said, "Oh, that's what America is." No, that's no, exactly that's what you are. That's 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 yeah, your yeah. your bullshit. Don't 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 let it glom onto yeah. us. 
Yeah, well, that's but that's America the propaganda. Boot that, up your ass. Yeah, yeah, that's the propaganda. That's a, that we're no different. Fox News is no different than North Korean, uh, you know, North Korean propaganda. Well, it's, so it's, so it's, it's what, an, I, it's an ideal, and so so yeah. But North Koreans actually try to get information. Like like you know what the worst thing that's going around to the authorities in North Korea are little uh, what's the flash drives with mm-hmm. the Simpsons on it. So North Koreans, they have a network of informants who monitor and report to the authorities, fellow citizens, they suspect a criminal or subversive behavior. What is subversive behavior? Unauthorized access to non-state radio or TV broadcasts. Like if you try to get anything from outside what's been provided for you, you could, it's punishable uh, by death, by, by internment camps. But it's it, it, that can't I'd last say that's forever. The, unfortunately, that's the minority. The majority... They don't. They don't do that. And the majority, they don't have access to televisions and radio and, uh, you know, and if they have it, uh, it's it, it, they're not sophisticated enough. So, to sorry, get sorry to jump around. Sorry to jump around on you, Chad. But how many stories have you heard of a Western visitor to North Korea having like a stage, like church service, or like? Uh, well, I've heard. The, well, that there's another movie on Netflix called The Red Chapel, and we talked about it yeah. last week, but yeah, it's about three guys one. from Denmark. Two of them are Korean. One of them has CP, and uh, they all go to North Korea. And the movie starts out like, C- cerebral, we're going to— what, 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 Say that for the people. What is that? Cerebral palsy, right? Yeah. Okay. And so what will happen is they, they started the movie off like it was going to be a Sasha Baron Cohen film mm-hmm. or, you know, like an Ollie G where we're going to prank these people and they don't realize that we're going to put on the worst show you possibly imagine. And then they start to do that. And then the leader of the theater department in North Korea changes everything. Yeah. And slowly the propaganda starts to seep in to this group mm-hmm. and they start to have second thoughts about what they're doing. And then you have uh, some of the things I, I don't want to give everything away in the movie, but there's there's a couple of things I noticed. One, they had to go and bow to a statue of Kim Jong Il before they did anything. And the guy it's actually pretty funny. He wrote a, a poem about pineapples <laughs> and was pranking you know the people, but they had no idea. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was really interesting to me is the guy with CP. Um, is talking to their uh, host, and he said, well, "How come there are no people like me around here?" And the lady couldn't answer the question. She mm-hmm. didn't want to say anything. Uh, you know, well, uh, they're in camps or put to death. Yeah, it, that's, absolutely. That's, so that's the, that's the it, answer. It's really a fascinating documentary about North Korea, and it really gives a lot of insight into, like, you know. Um, since it's a very um, closed-off society, they had to go get uniforms or, or uh, clothing, and there's no signs on any of the buildings. And they set up a supermarket that was totally fake and phony. Um, One of these said, days, you and I have to go to North Korea and just see what that's yeah. like, because apparently but, you're you're always constantly monitored with like a a, a host who who's monitoring everything. Yeah. You do. The, Right. The host is there all, at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot uh, – there were people that were put in jail because the newspaper was on like a bus, and the guy had put it in the back of his pocket and sat down on it. And if you sit down on Kim Jong-un mm-hmm. or Kim Jong-il, 
uh, the shit hits the fan, that's, then you that's, get arrested. That's, a, that's an extreme insult, you know? Yeah. It's so it's very it's, so it's, crazy to have a society like that because societies like that existed, say, a thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, we see things sort of like that in the Middle East under Sharia law. You know, you can't do anything to mock uh, the Prophet Muhammad. But it's to such an extreme. I, I just think the regime needs to end. And uh, I just I'm kind of fearful of, of Trump knocking over the house of cards and then taking credit for it saying look, look i ended the the korean regime and but at what cost do you think that the the the, the south koreans want a land war at this time or they would, I, and they, i don't they think it'll ever i don't think that? it'll happen i actually think kim jong-un is smarter than donald trump which you know i think that he's actually for him to keep his country under control, he can't be a complete babbling idiot like our president. You know, our country stays together based on our hopes and, and, and values and, you know, obviously laws. And But for his country not to uprise because they're starving or families been put in internment camps or, you know, uh, he's still uh, a fat fuck and everybody else is, you know, 60 pounds— uh, you have to be pretty smart to hold that shit together. And so I don't think he's going to, well, yeah. Um, but again, you know, you look at someone like, uh, Idi Amin and I mean, he eventually was taken out and, um, you know, he, for that whole family to be running that country the way they have for so long. Uh, I just, I, I don't think he's that stupid. And I think that, uh, if we were going to, they were going to fire off missiles, they have they have complete capability of other missiles to attack us, uh, you know, attack our ships and in South Korea, and they didn't do it. And I don't think they did it because uh, they're waiting for Trump to take the bait. You know, fire off a rocket, it's going to fail. Oh, okay, maybe Trump will attack us first. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, it's I don't think it'll happen. I think he's going there. You look at his approval ratings. The idiots that love him are starting to love him again. And they're ticking back, back up because of all the saber rattling. The mother of all bombs, what did that kill? 38 people? That was it? And that was like a, I don't even know how expensive that bomb was, but it was pretty damn expensive for them to drop out a tunnel for 38 people. You yeah, know, something, something like ever, eight, eight million dollars per per person killed. I saw I saw some, some estimates. Yeah. That's yeah, really so expensive. I mean, th that's not economically feasible. No. So, so you you, ha you have wasted money in Syria that did nothing because the airport was able to function 24 hours later, 48 hours later. You have uh, the Afghanistan issue where it killed 38 people. That was it. You dropped the mother of all bombs. Uh, you know, okay, now you're headed over to South uh, North Korea. Uh, what more are you gonna do? Are you gonna go after Boko Haram next? Are you gonna go Stay after? Stay focused. Like, like this, this, yeah. this is just a. He's a very powerful clown, who's using all this, like you say, saber rattling, but using all yeah. these tactics to try to distract, to try to change the narrative, to change it into to make himself out to be a hero. He's trying to 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 beat his chest everywhere he can, just so we can probably when the truth comes out. 
And he's guilty. He's totally guilty, right? And when the truth comes out, he's going to say, well, why would you can't impeach me? I'm we're at war or we have all these aggressive like he, he'll he'll knock over all these all, all these tenu- and, and ruin our reputation abroad in a diplomatic sense just to distract from the heat that's on him right now. It's really yeah. disappointing. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't see any other president, any any other American leader do the kind of things that he's doing. Yeah. No, it, his time's coming. Yeah. But it's, you know, and the rest of the people that are are in his cabinet, their time is coming too, and, and the, his advisors. But you know, it's 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 just to distract. Everything is to distract. Everything is to say, okay, uh, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to do this and smoke and mirrors. So, you know, but, you know, Kim Jong-un, he, he'll have his time. Mm-hmm. It, it won't be with us, and it's not going to be a, a with us taking him down. It'll be, in, in due time, it'll happen, but it won't be because of us. So, and, and, you know, the other thing is, you don't want to mess with those South Korean Marines. They're hardcore, man. Uh, one of my friends uh, is a former Marine, and he did training with them. And he said, those guys are badass, and you don't want to screw with them at all. Uh, I, so once heard, really, I once heard an, ana- an analogy of uh, North Korea being like a a average level, maybe uh, high school boxing uh, kid, and and South Korea being like Mike Tyson, like yeah. like in his prime. Like, it'll be over quickly. And that's not even saying that America has to get involved. Like, South Korea is ready for this. Their troops yeah. are fed. They're ready to, to, to take on North Korea and just end it quick. And yeah. it, 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 it'll all crumble. And, you know, we've propped up and, and helped out South Korea long enough that they they can handle themselves. They don't need provocation. Yeah, if you want to look, if you want to look I'm at just, the... I, I am desperate, though, to... to to the human rights violations really get to me, man. They they really bother me, and that then they've been going on for so long. And when when okay. it all tumbles down, but, it's it's going to come out that millions and millions and million millions of people have died. Well, that's true. Atrocities but, atrocities worse than anything Stalin or Hitler ever did, or Mao Zedong. Okay, so all right, so so all right. Let me ask you this question: Why North Korea's uh, humanitarian violations and not, you know, Russia's? not the United States. Okay, so what what would you put in comparison to 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 uh, the homelessness? US? I would say homelessness. I would say police. Uh, you know, as much as I respect the police, uh, I think there are certain things that need to be fixed and uh, retrained. No, and... no comparison, Chad. Well, no comparison. Okay, so, no, so you you, 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 you can say your... that there's institutionalized pr- uh, prison systems like like, like for profit prisons, right? You can say that there there that American society has many pitfalls where you can ruin your life and right. fail, especially if you're born a certain race. But there's nothing in comparison to what North Korea, and we don't even know the whole truth. Well, why not clean up the backyard here first? Well, okay, I, I totally get that. There, there are there are domestic issues which need which need addressing. I don't think I think if you're going to look at uh, American human rights abuses, it's going to be in places like Yemen with drone strikes. I don't think domestically we're, we we are destroying our own people 
what 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 happens is we have a lot of people with a lot of beliefs and a lot of things to change. Part of it is that we have so many states' rights that change from state to state, and there are a lot of there's a lot of corruption in certain cities. I think if the closest thing we have going to human rights abuses by the U.S., let's look at uh, the Indian Reservation, the DAPL. That's okay. the closest thing I can think about Flint, Michigan, and its drinking water. Okay. The, the, those are those can be called technically human rights abuses, but we don't Is have homelessness considered US, human rights violation. Uh, I I think that hu- homelessness is a tragedy. I think that depending on where you are at in the U.S., like for instance, Portland, there's a lot of places where you see a lot of homeless people in Portland, right? But they they have actually a lot of uh, social societal help. There, there are places you can go. There are soup kitchens. There are places where you you can get help if if you're homeless. I wouldn't call the homeless problem in the U.S. a human rights violation because it's not like we gather up the homelessness and put them in internment camps, and and, and we have human rights abuses where you're born in into in bondage. If you compare apples to apples it's not even close chad what about putting homeless people in prisons or jails do you think that's what are you asking are you saying that that's what we do or what that's what we should do i'm not saying you pay take random people and do it but i'm saying that is an issue yeah well there's there's a lot of problems that we, we don't have everything figured out on our own there is a, there is a homeless problem i'm not ignoring that nothing's all hunky dory but there is no utopia, Chad, that you're going to run into problems with any uh, political system. I'm saying right. that if there is a utopia or if there's somebody who's doing it right, we're closer, even though Trump's our president, we're closer to doing it right than North Korea for sure. I don't think you're going to get anybody who's going to say, that, well, we're like North Korea in this way. It's, it's, and if you say it, it's hyperbole. Just, I mean, you, you don't have any limits to... The haircut, you, you, there's not 28 options for your haircut, Chad. There, there's not, there's nobody saying that you have to say, have a picture of Donald Trump in your house and that you have to revere him or else the police come and get you. We're so far away from that. Okay. But, but let me, let me put it this way. If you are a, a young uh, black person with a hoodie on and uh, you're walking down the street at three o'clock in the morning uh, you might run into uh, the same kind of treatment that someone in North Korea would get with the wrong haircut. Well, especially if you have an asshole like George Zimmer walking around. But, just, in, just in general? Uh, yeah, just, just in general. There, there is a systemic problem with race in this country. And if you think we're post-racism, uh, I think you're sorely mistaken. I think so, but that's an, human I, I think, rights violations, I, I think, though, Yes, yes, for, for sure. But I think we're still it's beyond the pale what's going on in North Korea. I would be a young African-American man in America way before I would be a citizen of North Korea. Wouldn't you? I don't know. You don't know? know. Okay. Wow. I don't think. Okay. Twitterverse. Let's chat have it on that one. (laughs) If there if there uh, there are people who are listening to this, please. Yeah. Let us know. Because, um, you know, the way we've treated uh, black people in this country is not a lot different than we treated that North Korea treats their people. Mm. 
I don't think you're going to get many many uh, people favoring your your viewpoint on that. Uh, okay. Way, way way different. Uh, let's let's shift onto uh, okay on, on, on pivot onto something else that we've been wanting to talk to talk about. Okay. I think we're 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 trying out this this segment. I guess this uh, approach to break things up a little bit and I, I we should call this something um like let's call this segment hey chad check this shit out or hey phil check this shit out where okay. we try to expose like i'm gonna try to expose chad to something that he's not familiar with that might be new to him something that he has a preconceived notion about that might change his mind and chad's gonna do the same thing for me so after the last episode i gave chad a little bit of a project um and he gave me another project and we're we're gonna discuss how the these uh i guess art forms affected us uh do you do you want to go do you want me to to do your your little uh i'll go first because mine's shorter than yours okay I think, uh, I mean, you know, uh, so when you say we'll you go first, you want to talk about your thing that you gave me? Yeah, no, I listened to, no, I listened to a day in the life. From okay. The so, so let, let's give some context. Chad hates the Beatles. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. Chad, 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 Chad uh, has, like has publicly said, um, he dislikes the Beatles. He, like but loves I, the monkeys. Okay. But like, uh, in, in, <laughs> but in all seriousness, you're like, I don't get it. You're, you're like okay, yeah, no. like all, all the hype, you know, McCartney, Lennon. You're just like I don't get it. So I said, um, listen, man, I just don't think you're informed, and that uh, maybe sounds offensive, but you know, I study this shit, right? I, I, I like composition uh, bands and everything. So I said, okay, if I had to give Chad one representation of a Beatles song, and you're not a fan, and but you have to look at it critically and say, okay, what is it about this group? I'm not going to give you Octopus's Garden. I'm not going to give you Maxwell's Silver Hammer. That'll just piss you off. Okay, but I'm going to say, yeah. okay, what is what did they achieve that's really unique artistically? And I said, I think A Day in the Life. And and a lot of people, and if you look at Rolling Stone's top 100 Beatles songs, that's number one. And if you look at it from a compositional standpoint, if you look at it from a uh, artistic standpoint, I think it has a lot of unique things to say. So what was your impression of the song, Chad? All right. First, do you know the last song on that list for the Beatles? Oh, I don't know. Okay. What was the last um, song? What was, what was number one? Oh, okay. I, I'll look that up right now, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll tell you what I thought. Because, all right, so I listened to, before I listened to Day in the Life, I because... Phil was talking to me about the 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 musicianship that they had and, and the experimental music that they created in this song. And so I listened to a couple other Beatles songs. I listened to uh, They Say It's Your Birthday. <laughs> and then <laughs> I listened to She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I listened to this. And... Uh, my opinion of the Beatles, it still hasn't changed, but I do respect uh, what they were experimenting with and think it's really ballsy for them to go from that shitty pop music that they were playing to something like this. And By the way, Chad, uh, number 100 was Hello, Goodbye, and I think that you'd be satisfied by that one. You I, say that, yeah, goodbye, that, and yeah. I, I think that's everything. And I, and I get it. If you're not a Beatles fan, that just chaps your hide. It's like, you friggin' vanilla yeah, yeah. 
breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Yeah. So okay, so I listened to this, and <clears throat> uh, it was really ballsy for them to go in a direction that I don't know how many people went before them. Were they the originators of that experimental well, well, to, music to, to, at the time, to give or were you other some... people doing them? Oh, people were trying to do psychedelic rock, like early Pink Floyd, which I actually can't stand. Um, okay. But, but this so was if, before the Beatles. Uh, maybe around the same time, late sixties, okay. mid 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 All late sixties. Right. The other question before we get any further: Who produced this? Well, that's George Martin, of course. And okay. so, and so, so George George, Martin. you can call George Martin the fifth Beatle. In a way, he was more important than some of the members of the Beatles at times. You know, he he was very creative. So at this point, the Beatles had stopped touring. If you look at their uh, Shea Stadium performance, the uh-huh. crowd was so enthusiastic and so loud that the technology for live PA ampl- amplification couldn't keep up. So that's why you see John Lennon playing the, the keyboard with his elbows and uh-huh. they couldn't hear themselves. This, it was just this deafening scream PA yeah. and, and, and live performance equipment hadn't evolved to the point where they could actually amplify over the screams of thousands of teenage girls. Yeah. So they had said, okay, we're not going to be painting with the paint with the usual colors of a four piece rock group. We're going to use a more expansive toolkit. And so when you look at Sgt. Pepper's, which is the album, and you, you also may want to look into the song in context of Sgt. Pepper. Like before Sgt. Pepper came out, they, they actually had um, Starberry Fields Forever, which is a John Lennon composition, which mm-hmm. is very psychedelic, very uh, influenced by, by, by trippy drug stuff. And so you go through Sgt. Pepper, which is a, a hell of an album, but the very last track is this languid piano uh, intro from 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 uh, John Lennon. And and just from a compositional standpoint, one of the most pleasing chord progressions is that G to a B minor to an A minor. It kind of meanders through the key which out without really right, having well, a solid For non-musicians, you're losing people. So okay, I'm saying explain. that the the, 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 the progression is quite lovely would you agree that just the as far as melody and chords from from that from that aspect from it's a day a, in the life yeah just the intro part yeah no absolutely i totally understand mm-hmm. uh uh and i and i get it <clears throat> and i get that um you know they're very uh experimental with it i have uh other questions though who what other bands followed their lead after that did the beach boys start there there's almost like a, like, were... like, a, like a rivalry between the beach boys and, right and, and, right. and the and you can but almost like say that beatles, brian wilson go ahead i think the beatles did it better than the beach boys did with their experimental sound i think so too um, i think the, like the, yeah. the the beach boys were like sort of of a different uh ilk because it was a vocal group Right. right. And, and so their instruments were they had musical instruments, of course, but it was like like everybody was singing in these in these harmonies. I mean, if you look at the chord structure to uh, God Only Knows, it's super sophisticated. The Beatles are sophisticated mm-hmm. and more sophisticated than a usual pop act. But Brian yeah. Wilson has these very interesting ways to arrange chords. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But the Beatles somehow did it with more bravado. Okay, so after the first section of Day in the Life, you hear like this crescendo of the strings, and that's just yeah. a a very uh, 
dramatic part where things go from tonal to atonal. And now you're talking about 20th century of deconstruction of, of, of harmony, Schoenberg, uh, just the, these, these, uh, Aaron Copeland, these, uh, this explorations that pop acts were not doing. And then they go into the second section. Okay. That's the Paul McCartney section. I'm sure you read about this set. That was a completely different song. The, yeah, uh, the, no, absolutely. Um, the, uh, woke up, got out of bed, dragged the comb yeah. across my head. Yeah. And uh, it's in a different key, but it has this like like kind of shuffle, and it, that part always kind of annoyed me until the very last line, and somebody spoke, and I went into a dream, and then it just hits with this amazing part. I think the best part of the song, and probably the best part of the Beatles catalog, is when you hear John hitting this high ah ah and it just it just kind of brings your your ear into a different place and then it reca- recaps into the first part of the song right after that and and it goes bom 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 i read the news today yeah, oh boy yeah. and then it's it's more upbeat by the way ringo shines on this i i rarely say that ringo does much but his drum fills are like a third voice you know yeah. um i think the only person that really isn't outstanding because his parts are more subtle is George Harrison and George Harrison by him by himself is a pretty, um, right. Is, is a pretty, uh, incredible songwriter. Um, let's see. I, I wanted to look at, I wanted to actually go ahead and, and keep talking about your, your, your impression. Well, of it, I want to ask you a question. So what other bands besides the beach boys and the Beatles made that jump the okay, pop, so, so, pop music so to... The Piper at the Gates of Dawn by Pink Floyd was released in August 5th, 1967, the same okay. year as Beatles. So you had these experimental pop acts, and this is this is a problem with a lot of bands. Um, you have the Dionysian, like, uh, like say if you look at the no-wave scene of, of New York in the late 70s, bands like Suicide and the Glenn Branca Orchestra that were basically making noise. That were just like, uh, they wouldn't even consider themselves musicians. They were just making these very abstract art, right? And then yeah. there's everything that was very Apollonian in nature, which is chord structures and beautiful melodies and chords that, that, that fit together nicely. And I think that what you don't like is how nice and tidy a lot of the Beatles' early work was. Because they were just a tight little pop group at first. Yeah. But that song started exploring that. But the thing is, the, the Beatles had both. They had the Apollonian, beautiful song structure that you can just do on an acoustic guitar. And they had this brazen experimental streak. You know, the thing that got that song banned from the radio is the line, I'd love to turn you on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was them like hitting like, this is drugs here baby yeah <laughs> like the, you, you... so so what other so were there any besides pink floyd because i don't ever consider pink floyd mainstream right i mean i uh, not at that era you have to go into the 70s yeah. right so so who else who else took that chance was would you say or who took that idea and ran with it? i don't think i, I know you say oh, bowie oh, ran with it but bowie would you say prince bowie was okay if we're talking about that era i mean yeah, like, I'm talking like, just in general, like just it, it, who took that idea? Who took 
you know, the experimental uh, music and said, okay, we're going to play with this. Maybe we're going to start off pop, but we're going to jump from that to this. And um, I think a lot of my favorite is- my favorite groups do that, like Sonic Youth. I think they Did have you see the Foo Fighters. No. Okay. See, see, okay. Pre- so, so when I talk about Sonic Youth, uh, I I talk like they come from this New York art scene where mm-hmm. their early albums is just like like white noise. Foo Fighters were never just white noise. Like we're gonna break down and have this instrument. Like you know, okay, think about um, Led Zeppelin, whole lot of love. You know that middle okay. section that's just like noises and sparse sounds there's no beat. right 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 there's this and like that's like light like like when i think about experimental that's what i think i don't see foo fighters as doing anything that they're a great what about, little rock would group. you consider yoko ono experimental too experimental to the point where it doesn't i need more apollonian <laughs> right right okay so so you know what i'm talking about when when i when that that's yeah, that's uh, those, are, those are niche key terms okay apollonian is the beautiful aesthetically right, right, pleasing right aspects of music and Dionysian is just the the god of wine right just the 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 sheer release the 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 uh complete you know abandonment of of structure and I, my favorite groups toe the line between those two uh and so yeah the pink floyd for sure um i don't think that uh bowie ever got crazy experimental um i mean you know you're i'm, I'm sorry bowie had so many different approaches but in any okay. in any case, to go back to a day in the life, I think that that's a perfect balance, and I think it's brave. That last chord in the song, they brought in every piano they could find, and they all played an E chord at once. Remember that, bah! It's it's just this cacophony of of sound settling your ear, and you close that tune thinking that's an experience. If the Beatles never released anything else other than a day in the life, they would be legends. Okay. If they never did so, anything else, if they never had a Hey Jude or a Yesterday, and I could have given you any of these pieces. So is, are you saying, is that the last group with that success to be that ballsy to release something like that? I think Radiohead's up there, man. I really okay. do. Uh, if you listen to, if you're like a diehard Radiohead like I am, you look at something like Kid A and say that that's the modern equivalent of, of Sgt. Pepper. Um, okay. I, I, I Like to completely defy convention and yet be aesthetically pleasing, to do something that's actually commercially viable and can be considered legitimate art. Like that's a, like like that's well, you wouldn't compare the Beatles' success with Radiohead's success. Um, they, I'm kind of, but the thing is, Radiohead's not done, <laughs> and so so the, the, they're but that's they're not, not main. They're, uh, you would you consider them mainstream? I think they're like as, the Beatles. No, I think they're they're um, about as important as you can get, if that makes sense. The Beatles, they. they there was no Beatles before them. Before then, you know what? It was very common to have an artist that didn't write their own songs, like Elvis. Right, 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 right. right. The, the, like a band <clears throat> that wrote their own songs. That's like, that's par for course, right? 
that's that wasn't always the case. They broke so much ground that it's it's hard to compare them to anybody because in context there's nothing like them, and there probably won't be anything like them since. But you can have. I don't think now. No, you take music now. Well, okay, I, I, I'll say this: um, as a live group, you can you have better you have better bands as a live group. Because they didn't, they didn't explore that. The last live performance they did was on the rooftop of Apple Studios. Right, then right, they, then, right. Then, then they broke up, and, and so they were in the studio so long, and and they were they were creating artwork with their albums. I mean, they they cha- they revolutionized the album cover. They revolutionized the band, the the what's considered the rock band, a, a, as it is. So it, it's kind of like this, Chad. Like when you said that oh, I'm not a big fan of the Beatles or I hate the Beatles, it's like looking at a a student looking at the death of Socrates, that picture, that painting and saying, I don't get it. I I don't think, but that's an incredible piece of artwork. When you look at the direction of everybody's eyes and you actually analyze the field and the value and the color and how there's hidden meaning in, in every little aspect of the piece of art. It's if you're not, if you're blind to that, then you can't really, uh, say, all right. So what, what's the next song that you would say, listen to this and you'll appreciate them more. Because when I think of By the, the Beatles, Beatles? This is what, okay, yeah, because this is this is what I think of. I think of their crappy pop music and their shitty movies, and that's what I think. And <laughs> that's that's what I. They that's colored your impression of it. Yeah, yeah, it, def- so, it definitely colored. So, okay, right. If I had to, have you heard across the universe? Uh, give me a little bit of an example. I probably heard it, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Listen to it. You know what I mean? This is a a Lennon song. I tend to prefer the Lennon songs for some reason. Uh, I like the song in my life. That's a great Beatles song. And that's the only Beatles song that I really like. That's that's a wonderful composition. Um, Yeah. I I, I can't give you anything that is that artistically of of artist of obvious artistic merit as a day in the life. As far as clever chord progressions. Yeah. um, Even if you look at. some of their early work, like close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Like, yeah, no. uh, I know, I, I know you, yeah. you, that that doesn't light up your brain, but if you sat down with the guitar and played it, you'd be like, that was really clever. And they're doing way more clever things earlier than other bands. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, um, right. So all my love and it was the song this and the harmonies, like, like if you, if you come at it like a musician, it's a different aspect. Let me think. If I had to, oh, and tweet this at, at Chad if you have if you have ideas. Um, if I think of, yeah, like, com- I'll take any musical ideas that you guys want me to listen okay. to at Chad Costello. Have you That's heard it at Chad Costello? Okay, if you listen to <laughs> Yesterday, you know the song. You have to know yeah, it Yesterday, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just like in a vacuum. Meaning that you don't have like like you you had never heard the Beatles. You have no preconceived notion, and just look at the beauty in the chord progression and the melody. Um, it's really uh, heartbreaking. It's a beautiful, okay. beautiful song. And, and George Martin produced that as well. I think George Martin did a lot of his of now, that let's work. Say, let's say you get George Martin in a room with Brian Wilson. Oh, man, that would what be if, great. What would they have been able to create? Uh, and Brian Wilson doesn't lose his mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a lot of awesome <laughs> shit, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually bought Pet Sounds 
because I was like, okay, I need to get into this. I, I need to, to catch up. The I think the most valuable thing that Brian Wilson and Beach Boys ever did was God Only Knows. That's a fantastic song. Paul McCartney even said what that. What about that's Good Vibration? That's really cool. Um, yeah. That yeah, they 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 did some great stuff, man. But it's just that was from what their Pet Shop sounds was that no, what that, it was called? Pet sounds. Um, and w- Pet Shop I think Boys w- sounds. No, not Pet Shop Boys. That they're they're innovators too. <laughs> Um, I would say the first uh, the first song off Pet Sounds is um, "Wouldn't It Be Nice," and yeah, if you okay. just look at how they do harmonies um, and, and and their their construction, it's so clever, man. Um, and you can't say that the early Pink Floyd stuff was clever. It was just more like Sid Barrett dropping acid and making noises right. with his guitar. Uh, so yeah, that that that's that that was my my little bit. Let's go into to what you gave me. Because okay. I never said I I was against wrestling, all right. I wasn't a okay. big fan of wrestling, but you said that the the masterpiece of performance, what's considered one of the best wrestling matches ever, was during WrestleMania 25 with Undertaker mm-hmm. versus Shawn Michaels. So I sat. Wait, wait! Before you sat and listened to it, what was your feeling? I was like, like okay, oh, no. okay, okay, um, sports entertainment, right? Okay. So I can't get over the fact that, okay, other sports like powerlifting, who lifts the most weight with the most form, with the best form? They win. Basketball, who w- scores the most points? They win. Wrestling is an anomaly because it's not about who wins. It's about who mixes the acting with the performance. Yeah, and who draws, who draws money where the storyline is going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, when I saw this, I saw two, um, not to sound melodramatic, I saw two of the best performers uh, performing together at their peak. Like you really, there's, there's a whole story in in each of the wrestling moves. I mean, there are things that are kind of unbearable. Like uh, when talk about uh, the entrances. Oh, I I skip past the entrances, man, because the entrances are are just are just over that's the top. That's part of the. I mean, that's part of the draw, right? But I wanted to see not how how well Undertaker walks and stares. I want to mm-hmm. see how they perform together. It's a performance, right? And so and this was probably, I would say, both of them were past their prime at this point. Yeah. Shawn Michaels' prime was they're, was they're the old 90s. hands. I mean, you can see Shawn Michaels with his bald spot behind his long hair. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a crooked eye too. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, they... he came back from this was he had retired. Okay. And then he came back and wrestled a little bit, and you know uh, he had a really good run his second time around. I mean, both of his runs were fantastic, but his second time, I would say, was more productive than his first, and um, with his talent came a lot of maturity because I mean he was a. I mean, he was a uh, you know an amazing performer. Uh, he was, I think, he's the Jordan of of wrestling, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as far as performance goes. Yeah, uh, there were some the really 90s. great athletic moments. Like, wasn't it? Like, I think Undertaker caught Shawn Michaels in, in, in a flying leap, and then and then gave him the tombstone. Yeah, it was a moonsault into the tombstone. Moonsault, and. There's just some some things. There's some jujitsu going on there too, like leg locks, and yeah, I just like okay. Undertaker's I, really heavily into MMA, so oh. they were able to 
put that in there. Incor- yeah, he's a big MMA guy. Incorporate some but of that. You huh? notice what? What did you notice about the audience reactions? Did they oh, have, I just they, saw the, this guy in a red shirt that was just losing his mind, and yeah, and, and it made me appreciate it from the fact that being there in the front row must have been like the experience of your life if you're a wrestling fan, because you just see these two titans have at it, and you know, there's there's always it's always annoyed me the one, two. Right before his hand lands, somebody just bumps their, their shoulder out. Oh, Those okay, are called, it's not over. That's called, that's called a false finish. False finish, yeah. There's lots of false finishes, and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. But mm-hmm. I appreciate it. It's, it's it's still not something I, I would watch on the regular. But It could I, be done really, really bad. Those false finishes could be really bad. One of the things that really annoys me with wrestlers today is when uh, someone pins them, the wrestler that's on their back usually has their eyes open to watch the ref count. Uh, if you watch the old school wrestlers, a lot of the times they're just kind of feeling it. So it takes you out of the moment when you see the guy watching the hands go down. Yeah. Um, so those little things are really, really important. And, uh, those false finishes that, that those had great false finishes. And then WrestleMania three, when you had steamboat versus savage, mm. they had really, really great false finishes as well. That's another really good match. But, um, yeah, the spectacle of that match, the storyline with that match. They wrestled again the following year, and um, it was for, uh, I think it was career versus career. And Shawn Michaels ended up losing, hasn't wrestled since. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you take those two at that, you know, uh, that age, and they ran circles because, around everybody. Because I have to imagine that. It's it's a goulash. Whatever one wrestler brings to the table, he's only as good as his opponent, and that and that person's only as good. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Like like a, a match between Shawn Michaels and Batista is not going to be the same as Shawn Michaels versus I don't know the Junkyard Dog or whoever. Right. Like like there, there, there's going to be a, there, a higher level perform. You need a higher level performer as your opponent, and I think these yeah. two guys are at the highest level. And they put on a what would be considered a wrestling masterpiece, and I can appreciate that. I still like have trouble conceiving it as a sport. Sport, it's sports entertainment. I think it's a different yeah, category. I don't think they'll ever. No, and that's one of the things. And this, you know, uh, up until like '98, it was considered a sport. And one of the reasons uh, uh, why they call it sports entertainment is because they could pass a lot of rules for the the athletic commission uh but uh you know and it's like hey it's entertainment we don't have to and and i'm not saying that that i could do it i'm not saying like like you you can't be like an overweight schlub and and, and, or or yeah i I know i know but there's also you know what i also there's a look on undertaker's face after a a false finish where you Mm -hmm. see his, his his frustration and it's like well that's acting man that's, yeah, that's a, there's a great, that's legitimate way, there's, a great there's a great podcast also called Something to Wrestle With, and they just did a whole show about The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how The Undertaker had a fear of um, cucumbers. <laughs> and, like a cat. And wrestlers, the, there was a wrestler that would screw with them all the time and put cucumbers in his boots and cucumbers near him. And the Undertaker absolutely just freaked out and hated that, uh, which was really, really interesting. And they talk about the whole Undertaker's career 
um, how it started and how he progressed and evolved and changed his character because he wasn't always the Undertaker where he was like the dead man. He was also riding motorcycle to the ring. Mm-hmm. He did that. And, you know, now he's, you know, he's retired. Uh, some people think he's going to wrestle again. I, I I don't know. I don't see him. Seems being like he'd be too again. old, right? I mean, what? what how well, many... he's got to get, he's getting major hip surgery. 18 so... WrestleManias or something like that? How many? Oh, no, WrestleManias... 24. Jesus. Undefeated I at think... WrestleMania, right? Yeah, it was 22. Uh, I, yeah, it's something like that. I have to look it up. But yeah, and he was undefeated. And then Brock beat him. And then he came back and beat Shane McMahon. And then he just recently lost to Roman Reigns, which I know people are too happy about. But um, I'm not happy about yeah, it at all. Yeah, no, people don't like Roman. They, they, that guy's an asshole. I don't even know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> Well, the thing with him is that. That guy owes me 50 he, bucks. Yeah, <laughs> same with Norway. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, he um, the thing about Roman Reigns is that he's kind of being pushed down everybody's throat. Nobody likes it, and they think that start. It, 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 it's the John Cena effect. John uh, Cena was pushed down everybody's throats for I, so long. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, but and then people respect John Cena outside of the ring because of all the stuff that he does. You know, he's made the most Make a Wish Foundation wishes come true in like the history of Make-A-Wish Foundation. And he's done it. So they respect him. So it's a little bit different. And it also, I think it started with the fact that the audience wanted Daniel Bryan and they weren't able to get Daniel Bryan. And then here comes Roman Reigns and they're pushing him down your throat. And then you have other people that are, that should have their moment to shine. AJ Styles is one of them. And Kevin Owens is another. And, yeah. So you go so so forth and so on. So hey, uh, all right, yeah. Let's 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 wrap things up because I realize that there's a there's a data limit uh, per episode, so we're, we're approaching it. So uh, but, oh, yeah. for, but before we go, um, what what else do you want me to try out, Chad? I have something okay, for you so to try the out. Next, the next thing I'm going to stick with wrestling again. Okay, good. And so what, do you want me to um, check what I'm going to give you WrestleMania 10. Another Shawn Michaels match, but it's Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon ladder match. And you can find that on YouTube. All you do is type in Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon ladder match, WrestleMania 10. Now, they did a couple others, so make sure it was WrestleMania 10. And there were other ladder matches previous to this, but this was the one that kind of defined where you go with ladder matches. So that is uh, the next one I want you to watch. Okay, Chico. And and for you, I'm actually going to go a different direction. Okay. This you don't know that this is happening. I want you to try out. This is this is not a light thing. Seven days of meditation. Okay. All right. Well, I have to look up on it first. No, 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 no. I have exactly what you want. Okay. Download. Tell me. Download an app called Calm. C A L M. Okay. I want you to try seven days of Calm. Okay. And. Uh, right. I guess I guess if you try it tomorrow, we'll we'll be into six days. And I want yeah. I, and I want to see if what your impression is of it, if it annoyed you, if it was really tough tough for you, if it was easy, if it had changed your mood, or if it had helped you, you know, not stress out. Say say like today, Julian dropped his uh, his Easter basket and he was late for the bus, right? And, his, okay. and everything fell all over the place. And I was like. I'm mad, but then I just turned that off and said, okay, help him pick it up. And I think that uh, a few months ago, I would have went off on him. 
because it just yeah. it just gave me some clarity. And I also have an accompanying uh, article I wrote called "Overriding the Narrative" on my blog, and okay. and the listener can listen to that. And if you want to help tra- do this with Chad, go for it. Uh, seven days of calm, man. And I think that it will give you some perspective on mental training and uh, helping the narrative out. Cool. Awesome. All right, I'll do it. All right, buddy. Uh, so we're going to sign off. Thanks for listening. Uh, get, get at me on Twitter and, uh, take care of yourselves out there. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye. The Wiretap is produced by Phil Romo and Chad Costello. Logo and artwork by Jasmine Michelle Designs. Recorded in Burbank, California.